Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. We're in. We're in. Hello and welcome to Mystery Team Inc. We're here. I'm Maggie. I'm Kayla. We're doing a special episode today. Mm-hmm. Um, we heard the unfortunate news recently that a friend of ours passed away much too young. He was a fan of the podcast and a big fan of aliens. Mm-hmm. And so today, in honor of Matt, we have decided to do... An alien episode. Aliens. We love them. We love aliens. We love Matt. You know him. You love him. <laughs> Can't live with him. Can't, Can't live, live without him. Aliens. So, this one's for you, Matt. Okay. Uh, do you have any business? Um, just, I I have one thing to do. Okay. And it is, we already cracked our beers because <laughs> oh, yeah. Kayla came in hot tonight. She totally did. And needed a beer. So, I'm going to do my classic, highly skilled Foley work. <laughs> Using a Red Bull can and my mouth. Great. Here we go. Should we intro it? The ceremonial quacking of the beers. (laughs) You're so close. Click. No. (laughs) Mm. Don't go in that lake. (laughs) Great. Good job. If anyone's hiring, (laughs) Foley artist. Foley artist. Or anything, really. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, do you want to hear my mystery? Yes. It's time for Maggie's Alien Mystery. <laughs> um, okay, so this episode, I'm doing a special document. I'm so excited. I'm. It's either the Red Bull or my excitement, but I feel like I'm vibrating a little. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode, I will be discussing the Burned Memo. I have no idea what this is. Well, it's one of the pages of the Majestic 12 documents. Doesn't get a lot of attention until recently. It's undated. It's from the director of CIA, the CIA, MJ1. The full text, I have a picture of it for you here. Here is the full burn memo. Oh, burned. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've never seen... I'm sorry, I'm so close to the mic. You've never seen this? I've never seen this. Okay. Oh, God, I'm so excited. I might cry. So the story behind this page of the MJ-12 documents, it's from the director of the CIA, labeled MJ-1, and it's about a paragraph long. But the most important sentence in it says, Lancer has made some inquiries regarding our activities, which we cannot allow. Please submit your views no later than October. Lancer was the Secret Service name for one of our former presidents. Lancer was the Secret Service codename for 
John F. Kennedy. Oh. Why? All of the... Back in the day when they actually, like, didn't encrypt communication between the Secret Service and they just had to use code names, they would do a thing where... Um, it's kind of like hurricanes where, like, all of the first family would all start with the same letter and they would be the same thing as, like, um, the military alphabet. Like, mm. they were, like, randomly assigned words that started with that. So, like, the whole JFK's whole... Like, the whole Kennedy family was, like, Lancer, Lark. Um, they didn't get to pick? No. And then it would be, like, the White ha- Like, all the White House staff would start with, like, W and all of the vice president's family would start with V, that kind of thing. Oh. So that you could immediately identify, like, kind of who they were talking about. And then... Right. Okay, so... I vote from now on they get to pick their code name. Okay. And now it's law. <laughs> um, well, in 2011, an author named William Lester received documents from the CIA, which were... Received classified documents from the CIA, which were released to him under the Freedom of Information Act while researching his new book, A Celebration of Freedom, JFK and the New Frontier. Ooh. This is a different angle than I thought this was going to mm-hmm. be. So that other page that I showed you earlier is the document that he received, signed by John F. Kennedy. It was classified top secret memorandum. It was sent to the director of the CIA, John McCone. It was dated November 12th, 1963. And I have to stress, like, the MJ-12 documents, like, their validity is, like, debated. This is officially CIA declassified as a result of the Freedom of Information Act. I love that. They're like, well, the MJ-12 documents are, you know, we don't know. But then they're like, here's one piece of paper from the MJ-12 documents that's real, but the rest of it... No, 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 this isn't from the MJ-12 documents. You said it was. The the burned memo is. Oh. This letter that this author found is not from the MJ-12 documents. And I don't know what the letter says yet. No. Great. Okay, so forget I said that. Okay, so this guy was writing a book called, like, JFK, The Story is Great. And... Mm -hmm. (laughs) A bestseller. And he... Uh, requested a bunch of documents and as we know like in the past couple of years they hit the final deadline for releasing the JFK papers he got some of the papers sent to him as a result of the 1992 Freedom of Information Act and one of them stood out to him it was classified top secret it was a memorandum to the director of the CIA John McCone it was dated November 12 1963 the subject header of the file was Classification review of all UFO intelligence files affecting national security. This is what the memorandum said. I have instructed James Webb to develop a program with the Soviet Union in joint space and lunar explorations. It would be very helpful if you would have the high threat cases reviewed with the purpose of identification of bona fides as opposed to classified CIA and USAF sources, United States Air Force. When this data has been sorted out, I would like you to arrange a program of data sharing with NASA where unknowns are a factor. This will help NASA mission directors in their defensive responsibilities. Oh, my God. I would like an interim report on the data review no later than February 1st, 1964. So essentially, it was a memo of JFK asking the CIA to give him information about high-threat UFO cases. And he was saying, like, I need to talk to NASA about this. Give me the shit. Oh, my God. That's so cool. That memo was dated November 12th, 1963. Does November of 1963 sound familiar? Yeah. Well, do you know why? Uh-huh. <laughs> that was November 12th. On November 22nd of 1963, he was assassinated. I thought so. In the second memo that this Hold author on. got... I need, like, one second. <laughs> 
Because. <laughs> Here's what you're telling me right now. JFK <laughs> said to the CIA, mm -hmm. we need to talk about aliens. Mm -hmm. Let's get NASA in on if this. If nothing else of this story is true, that is factually accurate. And then, ten days later, that is also factually accurate. So... And also, oh my God. I want you want to think like, oh, but you know, the MJ-12 documents were released so much later than all the blah blah blah. The MJ-12 documents came out in the '80s. This was not declassified till 1992. Moving forward, Move. I can't. I'm... In the second memo that the author uh, William Lester, is that his name, mm -hmm. received, the president expressed a desire to cooperate with the Soviet Union. One of his concerns was that a lot of these UFOs were being seen over the Soviet Union, and he was concerned that the Soviets might, might misinterpret these UFOs as U.S. aggression, believing that it was some of our technology. I think this is one of the reasons why he wanted to get his hands on this information and get it away from the jurisdiction of NASA so that he could say to the Soviets, look, this is not us. We're not doing it. We're not being provocative. Mm. That's a super interesting memo, because we've said, not you and I, but like the UFO community has said for years that... Like, the government was trying to cover up things and, like, it's Soviet testing and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. JFK literally wrote a memo that was like, we need to tell the Soviets that that's not us. Mm -hmm. Because it's not us. And this is, like, immediately pre-Cold War. Mm -hmm. um, or, this is during Cold War. What year did the Cold War officially start, do we know? No, but mid-60s. It technically started in 1947 and ended in really? 1991. But the height, oh, the well, height of it was, like... yeah, yeah, the height of it. This is height of the Cold War. Anyway, so recap. JFK was like, tell me about aliens. I need to know. And also, I want to talk to the Soviet Union about this. And in that first memo, he said, let's do like some joint space stuff instead of having to end the space race. Mm -hmm. Because he was like, I don't want them to think that we are like testing technology on them. I want them to know that the UFOs aren't us. Great. God, this is so cool. <laughs> The apparent CIA leaker of the burned memo said that he worked for the CIA between 1960 and 1974, and that he pulled the memo from a fire when the agency was burning some of its most sensitive files. Oh, oh okay. I have a lot of questions. No, I don't. I have a couple questions. Mm -hmm. Did he pull that memo specifically on purpose, or did he just reach in? I think and he just reached he was in like, whatever, whatever I can get. get. Mm -hmm. oh, what a fucking American hero. <laughs> I'm proud to be an American where I pull alien documents from fire. <laughs> okay, I'm almost done. There's not that much information no. on this. But flash forward to 2018, no. when we hit the deadline to release all the documents surrounding the JFK assassination in compliance with the John, the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what happened? No. Thousands of files were released. And the deadline was October of 2017. The last files had to be released. But our quote-unquote president still held some back. Do you remember that? They were like, well, we got most of the files, but some of them we'll just never know. Really? They're just not releasing them yet. I feel like so much happens that I, I, a this, lot of it slips this, high. Yeah, with this president. It's true. When this happened, I was really mad because I love JFK conspiracy theories. Yeah. And I was, like, really excited that they were finally going to release their main documents. But don't they release it and it's super redacted? They released some of them, and they were super redacted. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't release all the files. They released thousands, but they didn't release all of them. And the deadline passed, and people were like, what's going to happen? And then our quote-unquote president did exactly what he always does. He just acts like a horse in a hospital and, like, <laughs> you know. Um, he said... How many did they not release? 
I could find the exact number. It's not a lot. Like, it's le- like a small amount compared yeah, to what it really is. Yeah, but it's probably the important ones. <laughs> he said, I have no choice today but to accept those redactions rather than allow potentially irreversible harm to our nation's security. Oh, like, I don't know, you? Yeah. <laughs> so that was October of 2017. Oh, my God. In April of 2018, what did he announce? Space, Space Force. Force. did the president read (laughs) some old jfk documents about aliens do we think that anyone lets him read anything i think he insists on reading it and i don't think they worry about it because he's such a fucking idiot but he's such an idiot i don't think you know how you have to there's part of the sat that's like reading comprehension (laughs) where it's like john and sarah went to the market and then one of the questions is like where did they go (laughs) he would have been like uh mary and carol went clubbing you know yeah if he even it got was the into best the room. club. <laughs> um, beautiful club. Mary and Carol, beautiful. I touched I them the both club. with I... my hand. Um, <laughs> yeah, I owned them the cried. club. They loved it was it. fine. That is all the information that I could find. I'm furious. Um, but it's just super interesting because the burn memo has been in like the sphere of the UFO community since MJ12 documents came out. Really quickly, because I have such a bad short-term memory. Mm-hmm. Remind me about the burn memo. It said Lancer has been asking right, right, us right, right, right. about UFO stuff, which we cannot allow. Let me know what you think no later than October. Great. Okay. And the actual memo that we know came, there's two memos that we know came from Kennedy, and one of them said, tell me about the motherfucking aliens. I need to talk to the Soviet Union and NASA mm. about it right now. And then the other one said... I would really like to talk to the Soviets because, the, like, the Cold War is going to turn into a real war if some aliens are landing over there and they think it's us. Yeah. And then ten days after he sent that memo that we know is real, he was assassinated. When was Dilatov Pass? Was that in the 40s? 40s. Oh, never mind. But it's all the same. I mean, you know. It's all fucking aliens. Yeah. And I always say, like, a cover-up is a cover-up is a cover-up in the UFO yeah. community. That's a phrase that I coined recently. I was there. <laughs> um, because, like, the the big conspiracy theory that's kind of been, like, confirmed about JFK's assassination is that uh, the CIA was withholding information from him about a plot to uh, assassinate Castro, and that he was assassinated as a result of that, which is also very possible, but I just wanted to throw out there that it might be that the CIA, that Majestic 12 essentially assassinated him because of aliens. Because he was going to blow their secret. That wouldn't surprise me at all. There was also an interview in the Ancient Aliens episode about this that I didn't watch all of, and I didn't put anything from this interview in here because it's just, like, so not, like, you can't corroborate it at all. It is the black background green text Mm -hmm. of television. Mm -hmm. But there was a guy who was, um, like, formerly a member of the CIA, and he worked with someone who had been in the CIA at that time. And when he retired, he asked this person who was retiring, like, hey, why did they kill Kennedy, basically? Because <laughs> he was like, I might as well ask. He's not going to tell me, but I might never see him again because he's, like, retiring from the CIA. Mm-hmm. And he was like, why did they kill Kennedy? And, and the guy was like, because he was going to tell the nation our biggest secret. And he was like, what was our biggest secret? And he was like, the UFOs. Oh, that gave like, me chills. Yeah, I think his exact words were the extraterrestrial presence. Oh my god! One day, what we should do is put together a like definitive time. Oh my god, this is oh. our book. Uh, that's a great idea. 
A timeline of aliens in the United States. I thought you were going to say a greatest hits. <laughs> like, now that's what I call aliens. <laughs> yeah, <One>. basically. <laughs> and do like, yeah, a greatest hits of the alien. Oh, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Um, yeah, we should definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that would Thought be great. Thought you'd like book. that uh, quick trip into. I love that. I love classified documents. Government. God, if I could do one, like if I, if someone was like, you can have one wish, but you have to die immediately after, <laughs> it would be to read, read all, all of the classified the, yeah. documents about aliens. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, fine, I'm, I kill me. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Zeno, beam me up. Beam me up, Zeno. <laughs> That's all I want. That's the only reason I would ever run for president. Would you give a deathbed confession? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yay. Well, you would just give me an earwig, yeah. and I would, like, whisper. Yeah. And you could hear it all, too. And then you would you could write a book. <gasps> Great idea. You're welcome for sacrificing myself for you. This is the kind of sacrifice I expect, to quote <laughs> a great friend of mine who once said that. What did I say? It was you. It, well, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> what did I say it about? Mm, I almost spilled Michelot all over your floor. Right. And I said, I, I caught it at great expense, like at great personal expense. And you said, that's the kind of sacrifice I expect. Great. I'm such a good friend. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Oh my God. That was great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I feel so energized against our country. <laughs> you do. <laughs> it's my favorite feeling. Mm-hmm. I hate our president. I hate our president. Except for what's the name of our hero who pulled the document out of the fire? We don't know. He's an anonymous CIA oh, leaker. Right. Mm, love you. Mm-hmm. He's up there with TB. Mm-hmm. New crush. <laughs> Haven't had one in a bit. Mm-hmm. It feels nice. You've really refreshed me. <laughs> <laughs> Good, I'm so glad. It's because we did aliens. I know. Aliens really refreshes me. All right. Let's take a break. Great. We'll be right back. Hopefully we won't get assassinated. After no messages. I'm going to do some more Foley. Mm-hmm. Listen to how good I got. All with my mouth. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was what we call character development. <laughs> we established in the first act that you're bad at Foley. No. What? I was never bad. No, of course you weren't. I'll just open my beer. Click. <laughs> That's why I brought you one. Thanks. Okay. So... Today I am doing the 1966 Westall mass UFO sighting. Ah. So, I got most of this information from, again, another documentary because now I'm addicted to doing research that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Westall 66, A Suburban UFO Mystery. It's directed by a woman named Rosie Jones, which is like, we love women directors. Mm-hmm. And it follows this... <clears throat> Nice little man named Shane Ryan investigating the mysterious mass UFO sighting at Westall High School on April 6, 1966 in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. It's a 1966 Australian mystery? Mm-hmm. So, the uh, documentary, his testimony from a number of witnesses, will it be annoying if I do the whole thing in that accent? Mm-hmm. So, the documentary interviews will... A number of like wit- like people who were students at the time. So what I did is I pieced together what happened from their accounts, and then I'll tell you some like fun things that they said. On April 6th at around 11 a.m., 
there were some kids playing outside in what they call the oval, which seems to be a ubiquitous Australian term. I'm assuming it's like the track or the field. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and they were like, look at those flying saucers in the sky. <sighs> and everyone else was like, what? Oh, look at those fucking flying saucers in the sky. I love this already. I know. And they ran inside and they were hysterical and they were like, there's flying saucers in the sky. And the teachers were like, well, it's not recess. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, recess was in two minutes. So the kids sat there for two minutes and then the bell rang and everybody ran outside to look at the fucking flying saucers in the sky. One of the, the chemistry teacher, Barbara Robbins, took her camera and started taking pictures and they all ran out to the oval and they say that they saw the saucer, like, lift off the ground. There, there was this lovely man named Claude Miller, who was a teacher at the time, and he was supposed to be on yard duty, and he was like, well, everyone ran outside, and I, like, went to get some tea and a cigarette because I knew that I would never have a chance. Like, I'm never allowed to get tea. Like, I never have time. So then he got his tea, and he went outside and was lighting a cigarette, and the science teacher, Andrew Greenwood, ran up to him and was like, did you fucking see that? And he was like, what? And he was like, this is a quote, it was up in the sky, it moved at incredible speeds, it hovered, and it seemed to, and then it seemed to go away, and then there were lights, like planes, following it. I'm sorry, can you try that again? Oh, do you want me to? Okay. It was up in the sky. It moved at incredible speeds. It hovered. It seemed to go away. And there, then there seemed to be lights like planes. Turns out there were five, like, human planes circling it and following it. What is a human plane? <laughs> Ancient astronaut <laughs> theorists suggest. So a human plane is like, <laughs> it's like a, um, like a penne pasta shaped thing. Okay. With, like, sticks on the side. I'm so sorry. I love that the first thing that you thought of to describe, like, an actual, like, a plane was that it was shaped like penne. Mm-hmm. It has the nose. You, I love that you didn't say, like, a cylinder or, no. like, a tube or, like, a... Yeah, but the a tube ends on, like, flat ends. The penne has that pointy end like this. Yeah. And then a hole through it. Yeah, there's ho- planes are hollow. But, but planes have like a thing I where didn't that finish. is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. It's shaped like enclosed penne. Everyone reported that once the planes showed showed up, the craft like seemed to have figured out that they were there and it shot straight down and then straight up again and then shot over to this place called the Grange. Yeah, like that. The Grange. It's called the Grange. It's just like a pine area. Ugh, guys, can you just use regular words? <laughs> it's a well. It's like that's like the name. It's oh. a grove of pine trees where like teenagers hung out. I guess mm. it was like the party forest. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the kids all ran toward where it looked like it was landing. There are a couple women in this documentary who are telling this part of the story and they're like yeah our friend tanya was like ahead of the group we were all running toward where we saw the ship land and we like jumped a fence but tanya was way ahead of us and then we lost sight of her and then as they were running to catch up with tanya they saw the ship ascend and when they got there there was like a big burnt spiral circle in the grass and one woman says tanya was passed out the other one is like we just all went back to the school And then when they got back to the school, there was an ambulance there, and they put Tanya in the ambulance and then literally never saw her again. What? And that's when I knew I was doing this mystery. Yes. (laughs) And that's all they say about it. 
No one tries to find her. It's just one woman who's like, yeah, and then Tonya never came back. What? That's crazy. Isn't that bonkers? Do you think her her family had to move because her dad got a new job? Uh, that was never said goodbye. She was like, "Goodbyes are too hard." <laughs> I know I'm t- I'm twelve and I'm just about to hit puberty and I don't want to like go and say goodbye to my friend Josh that I secretly have a crush on. So let's just go, mum. Let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> then we meet a man named Victor Zagruz Zagruzny. <laughs> What's happening over there? <laughs> we glitched. <laughs> Uh, a man named Victor. <laughs> <laughs> nice save. Thank you. Um, and he said... <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's so not we need a man It's spelled Z-A-K-R-U-Z-N-Y. <laughs> Zakruzny. <laughs> I did it. Gunta. Wah. Oh my god. I'm crying. Okay. A man named Victor. Victor said that he and a bunch of kids saw two saucers land in a paddock nearby. Paddock? A paddock. <laughs> Use normal. <laughs> a paddock is a word. I know. So Victor says that he and a bunch of kids saw two saucers land in a paddock nearby, which is a real word. Um, <laughs> the paddock is now a street, but Victor took Victor took Shane to the place and he like sh- showed him. <laughs> Shane. <laughs> Shane is the guy who did the investigation for the documentary. Oh. <laughs> I said it, but you got distracted by Victor. Mm. Uh, okay, so they were hanging on this fence and they saw two discs on the ground about three meters apart from each other and there was an adult who was like don't jump that fence and victor was like (laughs) okay (laughs) and he jumped the fence yeah and he got up close to it and he said it was like hot Mm -hmm. radiating heat and um that it was totally smooth and there were no joints and no like different metal plates Mm -hmm. like it was just one smooth no like rivets or anything exactly Uh, and then they lifted a few feet off the ground at the exact same time, and then they shot up and they went to the Grange. So the kids at the school were seeing the saucers landing where Victor was. Mm-hmm. So that afternoon, the principal called an assembly of Westall High School, and the headmaster came up and was like, um, you don't know what you fucking saw. Nothing happened. You're wrong. Don't talk about it. Okay, Sheriff Ratcliffe. <laughs> exactly. And, oh my god, my nose is running from laughing. So there's this man named Graham Simmons, who was the school captain at the time, and he says that... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's very Australian. What is a school captain? It's like the... Um, hall monitor or something? Yeah, but like the most important hall monitor. We don't have them. No. There's no such thing it's as like an the important head, hall monitor. He's, he was the head boy. Okay. He's like the head prefect. <laughs> no, no, no. Different things. Oh. It's prefect and then head boy. Oh. Yeah, so he was the head boy. He was prepped by the administration of the school to tell the students that what they saw didn't exist. And then they, the kids weren't allowed to leave the school, and they were all quarantined in classrooms, and Graham's job was to, like, walk down the hall and make sure everybody was in the classrooms and being quiet. 
And as he was walking down the hall, he saw a, a man in a suit and a man in some kind of uniform wrestling the camera out of the chemistry teacher's hands. At this time, the police and the uh, news crews started to arrive. And um, the kids were told they weren't allowed to speak to the media inside school grounds. So the media moved outside of school grounds and then school got out and the kids like stepped off the grounds and were like, all right, we're ready to talk. Aliens were everywhere. (laughs) And um, the principal or some teacher came out and was like, everybody go home. But uh, there are a couple students who were like, I definitely gave an interview to one said she definitely gave an interview to Channel 9 and one definitely gave an interview to the Dandelion Journal. For sure. They both got detention for that. Was the Dandelion Journal, like, the club that the second graders had? Like, Butterfly 8? <laughs> they were like, okay, this is for the Dandelion Journal. <laughs> it's actually not even spelled like the flower. It's spelled like a dandelion. Oh. Yeah. Or the closed captioning person is dumb. Okay. <laughs> I think it's the second one. You think? Yeah. Uh, you don't know, it's Australia. They can do whatever they want. Mm. Someone was like, you know what I want our mascot to be? A dandy A lion. dandy lion. Meet you at the paddock. <laughs> it's right next to the grange, no, past the I, oval. <laughs> just go past the oval, through the grange, meet me at the paddock. <laughs> okay, so they went searching for the footage of the interview from Channel 9. They found like a little note card that had the number of the film reel and they went to the archives of the film reel and the Kate the whatever it's called the tin was there and there's nothing inside gone I love it I know and then there's one written account of the incident from the dandelion journal it's like what are those called when you go to an old library and you look at old newspaper clippings oh um in the thing Mm -hmm. the ball you roll through um I know this you know what? But it's not that, so it doesn't matter. Oh. It's just, like, old. Okay. <laughs> and, like, saved, and you have to look at it with gloves. They find it, and basically it's just articles that are, like, saucers landed, and we tried to get more information, and we were stopped at every turn. Um, wow, those second graders were advanced. They were. <laughs> they also really went to a lot of lengths to preserve their turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a student named Jacqueline Ardent says that Uh, The next day, she was called into the headmaster's office, and there were two men in suits there, and they weren't introduced to her, and they didn't say anything about where they came from, and only one of them spoke to her, and they asked her to go through what she, quote, says happened that day, and they were like, oh, well, we suppose you think you saw a flying saucer, and she was like, "Mm, I actually didn't use that word. I just said I saw a UFO. Never said flying saucer, and then they were like, well, shut up about it. You're wrong. She was like, okay, fuck you. Yeah. And then Andrew Greenwood, the science teacher, who was all excited about it, because he's obviously a nerd, mm-hmm. um, he was interviewed for the documentary but wouldn't go on camera. And basically he told him that two officers came to his house and threatened him and said that he couldn't have seen a flying saucer at Westall because there's no such thing as flying saucers. And if he ever talked about it, they, they would tell people that he was an alcoholic, even though he wasn't. And, like, ruin his career. Westall. (gasps) Westall's been closed for 40 (laughs) years. Everything is less spooky in that accent. Yeah. Um, Do you hear that? Now we're moving into other witnesses. Mm -mm -mm. The first one is a man named Paul Smith. (laughs) Thank God that's his name, because we know how you do it. It was so hard. Multi-syllable names. 
he worked as a gardener for a market in the area. Hmm. And he's so cute. And he was <laughs> pulling up carrots. Like you do. And then he looked up and he saw the fucking flying saucer. And his boss looked up and saw the fucking flying saucer. And they stood there just staring at it for a few minutes. And then the children from the high school ran over. And they were all staring at it. And then the trucks showed up. And Paul, in the most adorable move ever, was like... (laughs) He was like... So, you know, these trucks pulled up and they were, you know, khaki trucks, khaki colored trucks, uh, covered in pitches, you know, to hide. And the guy was like, camouflage. <laughs> so it was a couple trucks and a couple Jeeps and then 20 men in uniform showed up or got out of the trucks. Mm-hmm. And it took them, it was from the time that Paul saw the saucer, it was 20 minutes. I'm also calling this section, here's the thing. <laughs> because here's the thing. There isn't a military base within 20 minutes of Westall. There aren't even deployable troops in the area, let alone any that could come in, like, such big numbers in 20 minutes. How long did it take the police to get to Johnny Gosh's home? What was it? 45 minutes? 45 minutes. And it took 20 minutes to get to Westall when there are no deployable troops around. With, like, armored trucks, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, well, and we'll get back to that. Another witness is a man named Les Medu, who went to the Grange with his sister, and they were, like, hiding behind a fence, mm-hmm. peeking. And they saw two trucks come up, and they saw two men in khaki-colored uniforms with patches to hide. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> <laughs> and two men in, like, navy blue officer uniforms. And the soldiers went out into the field with metal detectors and then started, like, kicking at the ground. Mm -hmm. And then the officers were like, all right, boys, let's go. And they Mm -hmm. left. And Les and his sister, like, snuck up to where they were kicking the ground. And they found, of course, a spiral circle of burned grass. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing about that. Australia wasn't using camouflage uniforms in the 1960s. But you know who was? The U.S. The United States (gasps) Air Force. You know who was in Australia because of the Cold War in the 1960s? The motherfucking United States Air Force. What year was this? 1966. You know what else the United States Air Force was doing in 1966? Hmm. They were pushing to stop the reports of UFO sightings and to debunk flying saucer reports to lessen public interest in UFOs. This is three years after the Kennedy assassination. Precisely. I'm so glad you did the one that you did because it ties so, so well into yeah, this. Yeah, what the fuck? This was not a, t- a twist that I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And then I got very excited when I realized that this was going to happen. And then I had to keep my mouth shut. And then a man named Kevin Hurley, who lived in the area at the time, saw their circles in the Grange on the day. He went back the next day with his brother to, like, peek again because all these kids are little mischievous monsters right. that I love. And... When they got there, there were people on, like, the edge of the clearing, and they were like, uh, go away, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. And they were wearing fucking uniforms, of course, and he says he saw people with some kind of instrument that at the time he thought looked like Geiger counters, but, you know, we don't know what we they were, but they definitely had instruments. Right. And then, because he's a little mischief goblin... Fan practice. He went back again a week later. Mischief goblin. Mischief Goblin. And all of the grass in the paddock had been cut, Mm -hmm. and the place where the circle was had been burnt. Oh. 
to get rid of evidence. Sure. Then we have just a couple more miscellaneous things that are interesting and gave me a little bit of the heebie-jeebies. So four days before the sighting at Westall, a witness uh, in Melbourne took a picture in his backyard that matches the description of the saucers at Westall. Then... Two days before Westall, this lovely little man named Ron Sullivan was driving in central Victoria, which is the state Melbourne is in, Mm -hmm. and he saw some strange lights. And he says that there was like a cone of light, like 10 feet off the ground, and where it hit the ground, his car headlights like got magnetized to the bottom of the light. Whoa. Like in the documentary, they show it as like the car lights going forward a couple feet and then, and then going like as on a, a prism, going almost. exactly to, and he was like, "Fuck that!" Yeah, and like in his effort to get away, almost hit a tree and then sped off. Right. Two days later, he hears that a young man died hitting the same exact fucking tree that he almost hit. What? Mm-hmm. That, this hair on the back of my yeah. neck just stood up. That gave me the heebie-jeebies. So he reported what ha- what he saw, and some Air Force guys came over, and they like looked at his car, and they were like, well, if we find out anything, we'll let you know for sure. I'm sorry. <clears throat> he reported what he saw, and the Air Force showed up? Mm-hmm. They kind of showed their hand on that one. Like, you don't send yeah. the rookie cop to <laughs> yeah. be like, hey, send- yeah, for I sure. heard you saw a thing. Wasn't a thing. Wasn't it thing? Oh, I heard you saw a thing. No, they sent the fucking Royal Australian Air Force. <laughs> the RAAF. Yikes. And they were like, we'll definitely let you know. Showed if we your hand on see that anything. One. And then he never heard anything. Um, another. He ghosted by the uh, he Air really Force. He did. Oh, listen, you're better than that, yeah. Ron Sullivan. Don't worry. Another thing that is very much open ended is that there is a local airport called the Moraban Airport. And no one has ever come forward and been like, Oh, those five planes were ours. I saw it. Don't worry. Or I worked air traffic control or Mm -hmm. something. The tower, the airspace where it was happening was the control of the tower at Moraban Airport. Nobody has ever said a fucking word about it. And there were five planes. And then uh, there's a man named Bill Chalker who is a UFO researcher. And when the Royal Australian Air Force released all of their case files, he was like, mm, give me all that good alien shit. And mm-hmm. they were like, okay, here you go. Mm-hmm. And he says that he had, like, a little laundry list of, like, incidents and stuff he wanted to learn about. And he found stuff on every single incident except for the Westall sighting. Nothing. Oh, I love it. And there's another man named Keith Basterfield who is in charge of the Disclosure Australian Project. And he says that they searched through files from, like, tens of branches of government. Like, he, like, lists all the branches of government they search for. Nothing about Westall in any of them. And we have, obviously, proof that people were investigating it. There's nothing. Redacted. <laughs> a memoir. <laughs> Tanya is going to write that. She should. Oh, oh what happened to Tanya? We don't fucking know. We want to know. Tanya, out? if you're out there... Hit us up. Hit us up. Anyway, Whoa. that's the Westall... Mass UFO sighting of 1966. I love that one. Me too. I can imagine it so vividly. Mm-hmm. They all are like, all the witnesses who were students are like, I know what I fucking saw. Mm-hmm. I know what I saw. 200 people saw it. We all know what we saw. All the adults in our life were like, shut up about it. And they all kind of have like psychological damage because they all had this like life-changing moment and then everyone in their lives was like, didn't happen. They all have like a flashbulb memory of it. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was... The U.S. like testing technology, or do you think it was UFOs, and the U.S. was like involved for some reason? That's a slippery this is during question. The Cold War. <laughs> yeah, 
And it's right during their disinformation campaign. And, mm-hmm. like, if they were on the ground in Australia already, mm-hmm. they would have been the first ones to respond because they were the ones who were all fucking sticks up their ass about aliens. Right. I don't know. I mean, I believe them. The kids? Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, like, people trying to explain it away with, like, it was military testing, or it was, like, some kind of fucking balloon or whatever, and they're like, nope, fucking I mean, it's wasn't. it's weirdly specific. <laughs> yeah, and they all Even describe it the same testing. way. Yeah. It makes you think. We don't know. We don't know. That's for you, Matt. We love you. Matt, I think you would have enjoyed this episode. I agree. I think he would have very much. I agree. Yay. Uh, thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you for supporting us. We got some nice reviews recently on iTunes and some new mm-hmm. followers on SoundCloud. So thank you to everyone who has been a part of this journey and continues to be a part of it. Hello to our listener in Sweden. Hello. Hello. Um, we actually have multiple listeners in Sweden for some reason, but yeah, thanks guys. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Mystery Team Inc. I'm just going to let you sing this out. I don't want to. Oh, okay. <laughs> And follow us on Twitter. My brain says no. My heart says yes. Yeah. Uh, at Mystery Team Inc. 1. Great. Great. Yay, aliens. Follow us. Like our shit. Talk to us. Yeah, definitely send us emails. Um, slide into our DMs. Okay. No one's ever slid into my DMs before. <laughs> okay, slide into our DMs for Kayla. Thank you. But not in a gross way, guys. <laughs> right, 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 for sure. Thank you, and good night. We don't know. Microfiche. That's the name of the newspaper? No. Isn't that the name of the things that you put in the... When you're looking at new, old newspaper things? I literally just said the thing with the newspaper and you said no. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is it microfiche? Probably. Great. All right. So we do know that. We know one thing. We solved one thing. Yay. Great. Good night. We don't know. Except for microfiche. <laughs> and stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.